previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. We'll come back with email and jingle. What? I should point this out. I may have read this incorrectly. I, I think Carver wants UCF as well as the over. Oh, he does? Yes. Against from, He's going against Tulane? Yes. You can see from the note he's underlined UCF. So I think that's that's what I'm taking as the indication he wants them. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, so he's taking the over and UCF. Yes, I believe so. Okay. All right. It's crazy. We don't know. He's underlying things. These could be <laughs> hostage notes. We don't know anything about his handwriting, for God's sakes. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Well, that changes things. If he took UCF, you know, I... Let's go back to the text. Rather than typing out his choices, he sent you a picture of handwritten notes. Tulane won the game, right? Yes, Tulane did win. So then he would he would lose on that. Oh. If he takes UCF over Tulane, which is uncharacteristic of James, because Tulane is a New Orleans school. Yeah, they won by 17, so I'm figuring And then, okay, then, then it, that... That changes his total. It's six and three instead of six and two. He won the he won the over. Yes, it was way over. It was in the seventies. He won the over. It, his bets are so complicated now. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. Let me. Yeah, get we have to, to revisit the triple plays. Yeah, let me get to a couple of things. First of all, Jared, the gummy bear guy. I got his name wrong, right? I said Jason. Yes, we could not remember it. Yes, and he writes. Sorry, Does it Jared. count as getting called out by name if you don't remember said person's name? <laughs> Regardless, a box of gummies is en route. Regular, the new, the newly requested sour and natural, though I confess I do not know what that means. Are gummy bears found in the wild? There might even be something special from Michael to torment a certain orange bald name for getting old man with. So, Michael, you may be getting some things, too. Oh, I hope it's gummy worms. <laughs> and from Neville. Yes, it's that Neville, now also known as the mysterious Neville. But before I share a brief story about providing a David Aldridge moment for a little, I have to correct you on one thing. As a proud Sidwell Friends alum, I cannot let you spread false info about Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She attended Holton Arms, oh. which unfortunately served as the girls' school to Landon. Shots fired. Anyway, the Sidwell Friends winter party served as the setting for a fellow alum to approach me with his eyes and with awe in his eyes to ask if I was that Neville from the Tony Kornheiser show. Of course, I was honored and delighted. The young guy, Bobby Gottfried, kind of groupied out oh. on me, but he got me invited to appear on the Loyal Littles podcast and shared that he also knew the socialite. Yes, of course he knows the socialite. <laughs> their, their, parent, their dads are like best friends, who, by the way, was a bit of a role model for me in high school as an upperclassman at Sidwell. He was also a pretty hard-nosed basketball player and wore high-top black sneakers, but I digress. My intent is to let you know, that the, con- let you know the connective tissue of the show, and my joy to be a part of it is real. Neville. If you don't know, then you just don't know. So, Neville, that's good to know. Let me get to a bunch of things, and we'll, we'll wait on one of them because we'll spend most of the time on this one. Fred McGriff was elected to the Hall of Fame by essentially a veterans committee. Fred McGriff had 470-something home runs and batted 290. You got numbers on Fred McGriff? I, think, I, I want to say 493, but I had a lot I'll of check home on runs. That. Yes, I'll check on that. Fred McGriff never got even 60% of the vote in the 15 to 20 years he was on the ballot. Is Fred McGriff deserving of the Hall of Fame? I don't know. Ted Simmons was let in by this sort of same group. Is Ted Simmons deserving of the Hall of Fame? I don't know. Don Mattingly is, Don Mattingly is the standard by which I look at the Hall of Fame. Don Mattingly doesn't get in because he's had five unbelievable years and he's a very, very, very good player, but he's not necessarily a great player. And I would put Fred McGriff in that same category, me personally. 
4,490 hits yeah. and 1,550. So if you want to put honest. him in, it's okay with me, but he would not have been on my ballot. The larger news is probably that the steroid people didn't get in. They're not getting in. They're not getting in. No. They are cheats. And I just don't know when they're going to get in. I don't know if it'll be in their lifetimes. I now believe Pete Rose is not going to get in in his lifetime. And I, Still writing letters. Yeah. It's hard to believe that there's a Hall of Fame and a guy with the most hits ever is not in the Hall of Fame. So that's one thing. You got to go back about. to Fred McGriff, though. So this just shows you where my generation the crime is. crime dog. You know him from the yeah. Tom Amansky videos. <laughs> the Tom Amansky videos <laughs> through my childhood, the defensive drills, which he's quoted as saying he's never seen any of them. Mm-hmm. Kids are throwing 350-yard, 350-foot uh, ropes from the outfield into trash cans. Right. And he's never... <laughs> never seen them. What's he doing on the... Kids video? never talk to each other. Have you ever seen a baseball team having less fun? It's like the anti-Phillies. <laughs> yeah. It look like Cobra Kai training for e- baseball. Exactly. So there you yes. Uh, another big news story, and we'll talk to Wilbon about it. Jimmy Garoppolo's out back for the to season. Back to back, out for Champion. the season. Out for the season. They're not going to win. They were my pick to get to the Super Bowl. They're not anymore. Not helps, with Brock your Purdy. Commanders. Not with Brock Purdy. No. You know, I and mean, that defense I, looks great. Too. It's a great defense. It's a great offense with a good quarterback. Yeah. Is Brock Purdy a good quarterback? We don't know. Uh, we uh, don't know. Could be the Taylor Heineke effect. Might be Jimmy Garoppolo enough. gets hurt all the time. Yes. He's Anthony Davis. I mean, he's not as good. The upside isn't as good, but he gets hurt all the time. He's not out there. The Rams are three and nine. They won the Super Bowl last year. Just awful. They're three and nine. I don't know that that's ever happened. I don't know that a Super Bowl winning team has ever had this bad a record. I don't know that that's true. All right, let me get to the uh, thing I wanted to get to, which is the soccer. Mike will talk about this a little bit. Mike and I will talk about this a little bit. I watched. It was Saturday, right? Saturday, 10 a.m. Saturday, in the 10 a.m. I watched it. I missed a little bit of the game, but I got there. So you, were, I, you came in when it was one nothing. I came in at one nothing and watched it the rest of the way. I read all these stories about how great we are and how this is the start of something great. I don't know. I don't know that I feel that way. Are you looking at me to say something? No, no, I was just, I'm trying to look up uh, awful seasons after winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't think anybody was three and nine. No, not, not that I can find. No. I don't know that we are going to be great in soccer. I've been hearing this for 50 years. We're never great in soccer, and I've been hearing it for 50 years. With the 16th rated team in the world, we justified the seeding. We got to the round of 16, and then we were bounced out three to one. And if you watch that game as I did, and if you know nothing about soccer as I don't, it was pretty clear that the kids in orange were a lot better. They passed the ball so much better. They defended so much better. Our goal is a chaotic goal. Their three goals were beautiful. Yeah. Like just the way you would draw them up. They seemed much better than us. So I understand that people want to leave the soccer tournament with a good taste in their mouth. So they're going to say, oh, yeah, we're young and we're hosting and everything's going to be great and we're just going to get better and better and better. I don't know if that's true. Uh, The other team was much better than us. What do you think? 
I think you have to zoom out past this one game where you just look at one team who said, yeah, play exactly how you want. Play fast. You guys can dominate possession. Look at your passing rating. But once you get into, you know, to use the football, the other football term, red zone. once you get into we're the red zone, we're going to shut you down. And then we're going to score in transition. And it was like, yeah. it was like those hockey goals that you can see three or four passes ahead of time. They were on the foot. They were well placed. And we do something that's like a blooper where it's spinning in off, off the yes, corner. Chaotically. Uh, and you look at all the missed chances. I mean, we should have, we should have had the one nothing lead before they got that goal and then uh the game got out of hand right before the half and that's where you start to say how can you feel like something is turning when it looks like we're not playing the the same the same level of uh, not not intensity the same level of awareness as to what you have to do so but if you look at those the full the, the full uh the first week the the knockout round stage you just go we didn't score Gore. We didn't. We didn't have any of those majestic goals. We seemed a the little Pulisic bit behind. Goal, I guess. We was are a playing great goal. for those ties. And and you say you've been hearing it for fifty years. I've only been hearing this for thirty years. I go back to ninety two, and then it comes in this you know ten way ten year waves where you go. Did we qualify this year? Are we going to qualify? Now we have these young kids, and you're looking towards when we host. But you want to go. The other teams playing out of position in terms of the calendar seem to coast through the through the first round and then try and find themselves and see where they can go if they make a run. I just, I, you know, we just didn't look. But to the, I'm not going to say we weren't competitive. They were better. They're really better. And if they're better, I assume that almost everybody in the second it was, round it is felt better. Like, it felt like cat and mouse. Just, you know, you run yeah. around and we'll just take this from you. But the other point of this would be we have a young family at home. We had my sister-in-law come over. We made this an event. And to me, that, that okay. would be the turning point where you're saying this is something that is that collective experience where we're all gathering around and watching this. Unfortunately, the Bloody Mary in the second half didn't taste so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I always hear it. I always hear we're right on the verge of being a great soccer place. We're not. We're actually not. And there's a reason for that. In a, in a place like the Netherlands or Holland, as I grew up calling it, all the great kid athletes play soccer. Now, maybe they also do speed skating there because, you know, that's a big speed skating joint, the Netherlands. But they all play soccer. The best athletes play soccer there. Throughout Europe, there'll be soccer and one other sport. Here there's five, six sports and soccer. Our best kids don't play soccer. Our best kids play basketball and football and sometimes baseball. But they don't play soccer. You know, they just don't. So until we get our best kids playing soccer... And we can utilize the numbers that we have in terms of population and draw from all those numbers and be a great soccer. Until that happens, I don't know when that's going to happen. We're not going to be that good. We're about as good as we're going to be. We're not winning this thing. We can't go from 16 to 8, from 8 to 4, from 4 to 2 to 1. We can't win that amount of games against great competition. It's what I say all the time about Gonzaga. There's a reason they don't win the national championship because their conference doesn't prepare them to play five tough games in a row. We are not, we're not, does anybody think that we could beat three great teams? We can't. We might beat one. We're not going to beat three. We're not that good. Am I wrong? No, but I think that's, there's a lot of, I think, social factors that you have to look at into, towards the community upbringing that might produce uh, 
all-time great soccer players or teams and you look at these systems that we have in place because a lot of this is trying to build youth programs and what sort of assurances does that give kids and families and but on the other side of that you look at individual sports why are you trying to get into some of those pipelines it's to lift the entire family out and we've seen what that can do most notably in basketball and, and we're looking at like the college basketball experiment what happens if you put a really good college basketball team against any professional team and what the the difference in terms of speed might be and you're looking at this are we just producing really good college and mid-level you know world worldwide professionals because we are having american players play well they go over the to europe so they must That's be pretty right. good because europe is a meritocracy you know the bad europe the old european players i don't want to say bad the old european players come here Yes. And they're stars when they get here and they're in their mid-30s. But So we have people that are good players. I'm not saying we're no good. I'm saying we're not as good as the great teams. And or it's not, is, as, it's not as easy or natural. Right. Like there, there's a lot of effort that goes into those you know, These those kids guys. have to leave their homes. The passing, they have to leave their country. The passing for the, for the, the European better. teams. It just is so crisp and it's right where they need to be. They got the ball on their feet like it's on a string. We don't have that. <laughs> yes, yes. They're really good. Although I would say for the, for the United States team, if they could just correct a few things, like if they could just score more goals than the other team, yeah. I think that would help just them out. Just even one more. Right. <laughs> So. I, it's great. We can come back to the uh, to Jeff's line from the other day, where it's like, now we could we could go back to pretending. <laughs> we yeah. don't have to pretend anymore, right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if, if if you think Brazil sees the United States on the other side, you think like, oh, this is going to be a tough match. No, for us. I don't. Yeah, think no one's they think no that. circling us. No, no, I don't think that. They're good. Yeah, they're just fine. not the upper echelon. You know, at this point. and then somebody will say, well, we do it with the women. Well, the, there's a difference. We all sort of started at the same time. There were no real women's soccer teams in Europe and Asia and South America. They didn't exist. And we got in when we got in, and we have a larger population. And if you're a really good girl athlete, soccer is a wonderful thing to play. It's open to you. Mm-hmm. Soccer, you, know, you don't have football. You don't have baseball. You got soccer, basketball now, and the individual sports. And lacrosse, I guess, as well. But yeah. soccer is the one. And we've had great success. And so the best young girl athletes say, I want to play soccer. And I want to get on a World Cup team. I want to win. Yeah. I don't know that young boys feel the same way. I don't. Of course, I, I was going to say I could be wrong. I probably am wrong. I mean, I sit here and just babble. And I don't know what I'm talking about. So we'll take a break. I did have a stat for you for Super Bowl uh What's the after. worst? They are now the worst. That's what I thought. <laughs> I mean, three and nine. The re- the Buccaneers were seven and nine after winning uh, one of the Super Bowls. Um, years back. Years back. The Trent Dilfer Super Bowl, yes. probably. Yeah, Who's yeah, going to yeah. win that division? Oh. Seattle. Geno Smith. The resurrection of Geno Smith <laughs> is improbable and impressive. Yes. Yeah, he He's, looks good. Yes, and he was terrible <laughs> with the Jets and with Just everybody. Just terrible. Yeah. And now he got this last chance. And he's making the most of it. He's going to get a lot of MVP votes. Yes, a good coach. Yeah. I mean, I think Jalen Hurts is the MVP. And I would have said Tua was second, although Tua yesterday got knocked around a little bit. But Geno Smith, that team was given up when Russell Wilson left. Russell Wilson lost again. Yeah. Geno Smith won again. Does that hurt Washington that they won? It does. Although now if San Francisco slides a little bit, that could help the commanders. Okay. All right, we'll take a break. Michael Wilbon, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. When you shoot for pars and birdies, sometimes you're on the fringe, sometimes you're in the water, your shots can make you cringe, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, that's the way it goes, but either way you shouldn't ever have to lose your nose <laughs> a good watch spoiled that's what they say golf is some guy once quipped and he sounds as if he might have played some golf in mississippi your round is meant to make you forget about your woes you're supposed to have a good time. You're not supposed to lose your nose. Next time you're on the links, when a shot is in dispute, don't move your ball when it's resting by an azalea root. <laughs> Give your pal his mulligan. Don't step on his toes Smile and sign your scorecard Come home with your nose It's an amazing... Come home with it's an, obviously Dan Byrne is brilliant. And he says, I kind of didn't want to write a song about the terrible nose-biting golf incident in Mississippi, <laughs> but I kind of wasn't able not to. I wasn't aware of this uh, Wilbon may not be aware of this either. I'm just going to read this small story. Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, in the AP. An argument between two men over a golf game led one golfer to bite the nose off the other in the parking lot of a casino, police said. Mark Wells, 51 of Biloxi, initially fled the scene in a Tesla before turning himself. He's got a Tesla. Of course. Before turning himself in. So Bay St. Louis police, <laughs> Chief Toby Schwartz, said in a news release, the nose was not found as oh. the victim was taken to a hospital. Mm. My God. Wells was charged with felony mayhem and booked into the Hancock County Jail where he paid the required 10% of a $50,000 bond himself and walked out within the hour. Did you hear about this, Mike? I didn't no, know about this. I'm just hearing it for the first he time. He bit no. the guy's nose off. Wow. What are we talking about? My wow, God. Wow, that's worse than Tyson Holyfield. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're <laughs> boxers. I mean, this is, that's an ear. Your, your he, nose. No. Wow. Wow. All right, I wanted to. I was going to start with the soccer. Maybe I should start with the soccer, but I can't. Jimmy Garoppolo, and I said this in the open, he's Anthony Davis. He's not as good as Anthony Davis, but he gets hurt all the time. All the time. He's out for the year with a broken foot. That changes everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, it does. I mean, for people that I know, you were one of them. You were one of the early ones out there. Yeah. 
who thought the San Francisco 49ers could survive either Philadelphia and or Dallas. Yes. It, it seems incredibly unlikely with a third-string quarterback that they can do that. Now, I agree. even with Garoppolo's, I mean, look, they don't, they try to get rid of Garoppolo at every exit <laughs> on the highway. That's right. That's uh, right. His, his coach and GM don't particularly trust him. And they try to get rid of him. But, but he's been to a Super Bowl and two title games. And so it's, it's hard to see the – look, I've, I watched this guy closely yesterday, this third stringer. Brock Purdy. It's, you know, he seems, he seems pretty good. Yeah. But it's hard to just – you know, you don't get to Super Bowls with third string quarterbacks. The second string quarterbacks in this league now aren't any good. Hell, half the first string guys aren't that good. I, I agree with this. I was watching ESPN afterwards, you know, after the red zone, because they're in Sports Center there and, and reviewing all the games before the night game. And it was suggested that if anybody could make this work, it was Kyle Shanahan. But I'm just looking. No. I don't think anybody can make it work. He's no. a third string guy. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to find. I mean, you have to, you have to be incredibly lucky. This guy would have to just emerge. Yeah. There's a million things that would have to happen. If it did, wow, it would be it would be great the story. story of the year. Yeah, and I don't know uh, the other guy, the kid that uh, Trey Lance. Yeah, he said he was out for the year from the beginning of his injury. Yeah, I understand that, but could he be available for the playoffs? Well, that's what I was saying. I, well, oh. I, don't I, know. I don't think they can win with him now. No, He's I don't. not ready. I don't think so. Yeah. Can they make a trade? Can they do? You Mike, can't bring in a quarterback. Well, here's one of the saying. great stories of the year, and I know you will agree with this: the resurrection of Geno Smith. That's a great story. He's a great. He's having a great year. He was totally on the scrap heap, and he's playing yeah. great for Seattle. Can they find someone like that? No, no. It's too late. Geno Smith had training camp. Right, right. You know, I mean, could you could you, could you take that? Slacker in Washington and, and trade for him. Carson Wentz. Yeah. Could you go Maybe. to Andrew Luck and say we we can no, protect no, you? No, no, no. We Andrew can protect Luck is a you. Suit. No, no. Wow. You don't walk in off the street. We we should have learned this in previous years. People try to come back like Philip Rivers. No, no. That that's a pipe dream. Okay. Um. Is there somebody like Luck, like uh, Wentz? Maybe. They could, who's sitting on a bench. Wentz somewhere. should never play another down here. He shouldn't. The other kid's better. And the people on the team love the other kid. And that, Mike, doesn't that matter when people love the other kid? Well, especially at that position. Yeah. yeah. It does. Yeah. It's, you're, you're dependent. It's the most dependent you know, position. Everyone on the team is dependent on that guy. And if you don't like him, Wentz has never been particularly liked apparently nope. in clubhouses. Either. Nope. Then what the hell? He's not so great where you can just, you know, I mean, Jay Cutler was, you know, you know, you can't win with that. No. So I don't see, no, I, I, 49ers, when this happened yesterday, I just, ah. on our email chain, we have a 49er lunatic, my friend Vince Williams. I'm like, dude, my, my condolences. Yeah, it's, I think it's probably over. I do. I think it's probably over. Ron Rivera played for the tie yesterday. Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, why would he do that? 
didn't didn't like that. I mean, because he's a defensive guy, and that's his personality, and that's why they can win these games, Tony. Like, it cuts both ways. Ron Rivera is not going to go out there and be swashbuckling. Right. He didn't have the roster for that, first of all. So he doesn't have the roster for it. He's got a certain level of player. I think Ron Rivera's done really, really, really well with this team. But going for it is not his thing. Um, and so I was disappointed in the moment yesterday, but I understand there's a certain way that he can play and they can play. And he didn't. He, he must not have felt it. But I, in real time, I said to you, you got to go for it there. Yeah. There, you have to go for it. I think you have to go. I think you have to go, really. I mean, you've you got a chance to end the game. Uh, your boy, Justin Fields, 20 or 25, but bad picks. What, what's the grade on yesterday's performance for Justin well, Fields? You know, and they lose I, I to, to Green Bay. I of that. Yeah. It's the Packers. It's the team up north, our version of that. Right. Um, and Fields was great. You, like, you could see, you now can see, okay, this is our guy. Now, the first, the first interception, uh, who was doing the game? Stink was doing the game. Uh-huh. And it, 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 it came off very much in his analysis in live time as if he was blaming the receiver for not being where he was supposed to be. And it was not a bad pick. The second one was just desperation. Yeah. Down. They, they should have been down. They should have been up. The Bears have been up in the fourth quarter of enough games to be like 9-5. and five. Um, Fields, again, he went 55 yards for a touchdown up the middle. and He's breathtaking. And then yesterday, he made throws that you go, okay, all right. Here's why we love this guy, in addition to the, the breathtaking running. He made some throws, as you mentioned, 20 and 25. So, you know, the grade, they lost. Um, in my house, it was a split sort of effort. Matthew was rooting for the draft pick. And he, the whole game, he's saying, Dad, this is bad. We don't need to win this game. This is the difference between getting, say, the pass rusher from Georgia and some guy. I'm like, look, right now they're just good enough to lose. And at some point, these people have to win. You don't want to just go in the tank here. So this is, you know, the fundamental position that you're in with the Bears. Do you want to just lose right now? And I, I, I don't. I don't. Because I know that you can get in this draft. This, this is not Victor Wimbanyama, okay? The Bears aren't getting him. So they can get the left tackle and the pass rusher they need. At six or seven, you don't have to be fourth. This is my position. Okay. So anyway, so Fields, this is what you live with right now with the Bears. You're watching, hoping that you can see glimpses of greatness while bottom line for some people is let them lose the game and preserve our draft status. There are a lot of uh, good games out there yesterday, and, and, but I would say that if I had to pick a significant game, a significant act is, is Jimmy Garoppolo going out, but if I had to pick a significant game, I'd say Kansas City and Cincinnati is an yep. important result, right? Yep. What are your thoughts on that? Well, going into the game, Tony, you know, I'm in this pool, this confidence pool, and I picked Cincinnati to win that game. Really? Um, there were two and games. you never trust I, them. That's interesting. I don't. I don't, but they're, they're, you know, they're better than they've been, obviously. Yeah. Um, there are two teams I picked yesterday, two games I picked uh, against the favorite, and one of them was easier to pick because the Bengals were at home. Right. And I picked Tennessee to beat Philadelphia. They got killed. So the, the, 
I, those are the two games where I said I, I want to win. Now I think I still went like ten and two yesterday uh, with a game left tonight. <clears throat> so I, I, I was okay this weekend. But yeah, I thought Cincinnati could win the game. I don't think that Kansas City's unbeatable. I don't. And I thought that the Bengals needed that game. Uh, the Bengals had a couple of losses that have kept them from sort of taking off and putting distance between themselves and other teams in the AFC, and they're in that group. But look, the Bengals have every reason to think they should win that game at home. That's if right. they're a legitimate Super Bowl champ, they, sure. they were in the Super Bowl last year, not Kansas City. That's right. That's so right. I, I, I thought they should. If they've got Chase and they, if they've got all their parts, I'm sorry. I think that, that Cincinnati's as good as Kansas City. And Buffalo. And Buffalo. And the Buff- three of yeah. them. Yes, the three of Maybe them stand out. Maybe better than Buffalo. Maybe better. Yeah, the three of them stand out. Baltimore yeah. got hurt because Lamar Jackson is out. They won the yeah, game late. I don't know what that means. I don't know how long he's out. I, you know, I don't know about that. Let me go to the soccer. Let's talk about the soccer. What we talked about before you got on the air was just the notion that we are always being told that we're close and we're close and we're close, and now we're, we got the home field next time for this, that, and the other thing. But I think, Mike, if you watched that game, you watched one team being clearly better than the other superior. team. Right? Yeah. Yes, the Dutchmen were, they, they were superior. Yeah. What are people seeing? I mean, the passing, the, the difference between the United States, it's clearly tone. People talk about the aggression and the assertiveness. And I get that. And the ability to attack. Okay, we got that now. That's, that's the position we're in. Good. But, man, we don't have the artistry. Their goals were like works of art. Yeah, they really they were. were. They're beautiful. They were passing our heads off. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And you, you'd hear, you know, the people doing the... Either the game or the highlights say, well, he's a little bit late getting over. Yes, he's late because they're passing his brain. It looked like Johan Cruyff was on the field, not just inspired the play, which apparently he still does there. But and for people who don't know who Johan Cruyff is, he's one of the five greatest players of all time, according to some of these polls, no lower than eighth or ninth, and may have been in the top three. And Johan Cruyff played here in Washington at the end of his days, and I, I was very lucky. You and I, we got to watch Johan Cruyff, and he was the you know, he was the I don't know maybe the most creative player ever. And the Dutchman, you tell me those goals didn't take your breath away. They're gorgeous. Yeah, our, our goals we need a, a, an odd bounce to get yeah. in. Because yeah, they're the spinning take wildly. A foot to the pelvis. <laughs> right. yeah, Come yeah. on, man. Yeah, what are you people watching? This is the part. <laughs> We're not I, as good as them. No, and I, I keep reading these stories and listening to people saying, We're right Stop. on the verge. What are you no. talking about? What do you know? Now, maybe we play with, you know, people talk about that American spirit. This is not, you know, I mean, this is not a stage play. This is, this is real sport. Yeah. And at some point, when you have people like this, when you have that many people, that guy Memphis, come on, man. Christian Pulisic is, is a wonderful player. And, you know, Candace Buckley wrote a really great column about him and what he means to America potentially. And what he, you know, may mean in the next one. Because he's got to be Captain America again. 
But don't tell me he's as good as this guy Memphis. No, that's not, just not true. No, it is not true. And I, so I, I, you know, when you watch France and you watch Brazil and you watch England, now we were, you know, we were inspired to get that nil-nil tie with England. But England, France, Brazil, probably still Portugal, um, and certainly the, not, the Dutchmen. Come on now, they're better than us. Get, we're you, not, we're get not, you out of here on this. We're not in that. Fred McGriff just made the Hall of Fame. He never really Good. came particularly close. Okay, that's how you feel. I think Fred yes. McGriff is like Don Mattingly, very, very, very good, but well, not it was great. longer. He sustained it longer. Okay, so so you're okay with him being in? How many home runs McGriff have? Like four seventy something. He had a bunch okay. of home runs. Yeah, is a two eighty four lifetime hitter. I I'm okay with it. I just to me, you know, it's it's like is he great? He's like Harold Baines. You know, uh, these guys yes. were on the cusp. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Okay. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and argue that he's Mark McGuire. I'm not going to do that. But the baseball writers who vote for that don't feel those guys should be eligible. They're not getting Enough it. of them. No, they're not getting in. And so Bonds and McGuire and Clemens. And wait. Sosa, they're not getting in. Sosa, they're not getting in. At least not with, with this group, these people who vote now. And McGriff, it just seemed McGriff had an impact on the game when he played. McGriff played for some good teams. Yeah, I did. He was a good, dependable, reliable player over a long period of Again, years. Again, was he great? He was, he was great at times. Okay. Yes. Yeah, now, I was he know. sustained? Was he, he was better than Mattingly, Tony. Yeah, but, I, I wouldn't put Mattingly in. You know, well, I, okay. That's, I, I hear you. Yeah. Mattingly's first five years with Lou Gehrig, and yeah. then he got hurt. And then that's right. And he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't able very, to impact the game. The whole anymore. of the very, very, very good. Yeah, McGriff. McGriff rises above that to okay. me. All right. But does he? Does he? Is he a lock? Do you? Do you would you get angry if he wasn't in? No. No. That's how. Yeah. But that's I, fair. I like McGriff, and I'm okay with McGriff being in. All right. I'll talk to you later. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Pat Forty will join us, and he'll, we'll sort out the top four teams in college football and get his opinions, as we do every single week. We have Pat Forty on every single week. We lean on Pat Forty. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. American Jerry Rafferty. Doesn't it sound like... Yeah, actually, I hadn't thought of that. It does sound like... It really sounds does. like Jerry Rafferty without the British accent. Right. Wow, this is Al Barnes. That's pretty good. Mm. It's called Golden Wings. It's off his new EP called Hodgepodge, which was released this past Friday on Spotify. That's good. Al Barnes. He's he's. We've done his songs. Before. We have played his stuff before. Yes, this is a fantastic. It really song. does sound like Jerry Rafferty to me. Yeah, maybe I'm crazy. I'm just no. Old. It's got that that feel mm. to it. Yeah. 
Michael, if people like Al Barnes want to send in their original music that we can play, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. Maybe it can enter your uh, Spotify rap for next year. Okay. You're looking at me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, we have that electric e-bike in the garage. We've got to try the electric e-bike. Let's have a test flight. We've got to get helmets. We've got to do it's that. charged. We... <laughs> That charge will dissipate, though, won't it? Uh, not if you keep feeding it. Okay. I don't know how to do that. Um, Pat Forty, we lean on him every single week. I always say to Nigel, God, we just asked Pat. We was just on, and we can't. Do we? Should we? And then Pat says, it's okay. It's all right. So Pat's on. I'm okay on one and two. I think that I think Georgia, you know, at some point, they've won like 25 games in a row, and they're just killing people. Obviously, everybody's okay with that. I'm okay with Michigan. You know, Purdue's not a great team, and that was close for a while, but Michigan earned it by beating Ohio State. I'm okay with TCU being in the four. I watched that game. I, I, I'll get to this later. I believe that that kid Duggan won the Heisman on the last drive. I thought he won it. If I was a voter, I'd give it to him. But to not drop even one spot seems a little fishy to me, and it seems, Pat, to me that they're trying to justify not putting Ohio State and Michigan against each other in the first round. And that's, that's how this one, two, three, four came about. Please take the floor. Uh, I mean, I, I, they have them in the order I thought they would be in. So I can't necessarily say that I thought it was fishy. But I, you know, I, I would be shocked if that wasn't at least in their minds a little bit. Boo Corrigan said, what do you, you know, what the commissioner or the chair always says, which is no, you know, we don't think about that. We don't think about a rematch. We just put the team in the order we thought they should be. Your phone so is that, terrible. What's with your phone? Is it? Yeah, it's really bad right now. Should we call you back? I don't know. Should we? Should, yeah. Well, now yeah. it's okay. No, now it's right now. Now it's okay. On that was All right. okay. All right, so uh, get Start back over? to Boo Corrigan. Yeah, get back to Boo Corrigan. Go ahead. So now Boo, Boo Corrigan said, this to the committee chair, that, um, you know, they did not take rematch factors into account. Uh, that's always what they say. I, I don't know if it's true or not. Uh, on the one hand, you want to guarantee me. No, 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 your phone. Pat, 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 your phone is terrible. We're going to call you right back. Okay. I will right. call you right back. Nigel will call you right back because that's, that's three or four times in a row. Is it movement, do you think, Michael? Is he getting up? Is he walking around? Is landline? It, is it a landline or is it a cell phone? Yeah, it's a cell phone. Yeah. We always call yeah. Yeah, he's always... That was odd. And people can see how we struggle on this show as I have to vamp while we get Pat back on. Or maybe Pat is just playing with us because he's saying, I don't really want to be on your show all the time. Yeah, he's waiting to get that top billing. Tony yeah. Corner's show now with Pat Forty. Yeah. I don't want to be on anymore. You've ruined my life. You're waking me up early in the morning on a Monday all the time. Is it better? I think so. Okay, let's try it again. So let's get to where you were. You were explaining that you don't, much like me, you don't completely trust them when they say that they're just trying to avoid rematches, right? Because it does have that fish smell to it. (laughs) Yeah. So let me ask this. If we had six or eight teams in this, Alabama's in, right? And then Alabama wins. Alabama. Uh, if you had six or eight teams in it, Alabama is in, and Alabama gets beat by two touchdowns by Georgia or Michigan. Really? By three touchdowns by Georgia. Really? I don't think that. Yeah. Look, the name is Alabama. That doesn't mean they're good. 
I've watched them a lot this year. I don't think – I think this is the worst Alabama team since 2007, personally. Uh, you could maybe say 2010 when they lost three games, but they're just not that good. Bryce Young is phenomenal, and he has dragged them to 10-2. and two, But Jameer Gibbs, the running back, is, is good. They've got some good players on defense who commit too many penalties and don't get turnovers. So I'm just, I am not on board with Alabama at all. I, I'm not sure I would pick them against Ohio State either. TCU, wow. eh, but even then, I don't know. Okay, if it's six, I just want to play with that number. Because 12, you're letting in everybody. You're letting in Tulane at 12. It's, 12 is ridiculously stupid. But if it's six and Alabama is five, then you have USC, Kansas State, and Utah. If you're running this, which one of those teams gets in? Uh, I, I think I'd put Utah in. Maybe I'm a little bit prisoner of the moment, but I right. was there and saw them, and I've seen right. them twice beat USC. Right. Boy, they're physical and tough, and they don't care if they get behind. Uh, you know, I just I like a lot about Utah's team, and at the beginning of the year, I really thought. I picked them fourth going into the season. I thought they could go to the playoff. Got off to a bad start, lost to Florida, dropped a couple other games. But I, I thought this was going to be a good team, and they at times have looked like it. So we get in this situation where the Pac-10, I know they're the Pac-12, but I like to call them the Pac-10, where the Pac-10 has about seven teams in the top 25, but none in the final four. It's so long since they've had a team in the Final Four. What do you think? What do you think they're saying to each other at this point? Well, it's interesting. I was out there last week, wrote a long story about it, about how conflicted they were about USC and their playoff chances. You know, on the one hand, they very much wanted a playoff team so they could say, "See, we can still do it out here." Right. But on the other hand, they're leaving. So, right. Uh, you know, I think. In, in, in their guts, they were happy Utah beat them, most people in that league. Uh, so, you know, they, they were, they're mad at USC for, for leaving. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, just to be able to have that team in there changes the narrative. Oh, worst, worst Power Five conference. Can't do it. Uh, all the California kids that are going out of state for college, maybe stop, they stop and think, oh, wait. If we get a team in the playoff, we can go to the playoff and stay home, too. You know, so yeah, I, yeah. it would have been big for them to have a team in there, really big. So that was a huge opportunity missed for them. Utah drilled them. They, they've given up. Their defense is not a top 30 defense. You want to get into a four-man playoff team? You don't have a top 30 defense, right? That's the thing. Some people are worried about TCU getting trucked in the playoff. Oh, God. Could you imagine USC trying to tackle Georgia or Michigan? Right. They, they, they didn't tackle anybody. Right. They, people just ran through their tackles left and right. So, uh, that's, yeah, that's a major problem they have to fix. And Lincoln Riley, quite frankly, if he ever wants to win a national title, has to fix because it looked a lot like his Oklahoma teams. Yeah. Uh, let me get back to the thing I said initially because I did watch. I watched a lot of college football. And I thought that the Kansas State-TCU game was really good. And I thought that last draw, I was so sad that they couldn't punch it in in the overtime and just win it right then and there. But I thought Max Duggan, is that how it's pronounced? I thought yep. that he won the Heisman with that last drive. Three runs and a, the great two-point conversion pass. What do you think? Oh, I think that it's uh, it became a whole new ball game just simply over the weekend. I, I agree that 
it went from absolute, you know, done deal for Caleb Williams to win it to, yeah. hey, wait a minute, what about Max Duggan? Uh, that was an incredible performance, just dragging his team into overtime. And I think in the process of getting to overtime, guaranteed that they were going to make the playoffs. I agree. So I agree. that was huge. And he did it by himself. So I, that does change the calculus. It's a college award. Also, you know, it's not, it's yeah. not a predictor for the pros. It's a college award. Right, right. The interesting thing to me, there was so much blowback for Caleb Williams' manicure. Yeah, uh, on TV. And people didn't, yeah, people did not like that. I, I wonder, I don't think it should cost him votes. That seems like too much of the Nobel Peace Prize more than a, who's <laughs> the best football player. Right. But I wonder if, that, if there might be some blowback to be, to be had on that, too. Can you explain uh, the, the contingencies of the Rose Bowl and the expansion to 12 and how the Rose Bowl affected that? Because I, I confess I do not understand that. Yeah, I mean, basically what they got the Rose Bowl to agree to do is to not be played January 1st at 5 p.m. Eastern every year. Right. Uh, That they will move when they're going to be uh, uh, part of the playoff as needed. That They will not necessarily have a window completely to themselves at that time slot. That's, That's the basics of it. And I think we all love the Rose Bowl. Uh, for the history and the scenery and everything else. That yeah, goes the with parade. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you can't let a parade run a playoff. No, so. get off the stage. You don't have the best yeah. teams. That's yeah. You don't have the best teams. Get off the stage. Is there any reason, any reason to go to 12 other than money? Is there something I'm missing? Um, I, I mean, I like 12. I'm fine you with do. it. You do? I am okay with it. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. Like I'm six. fine with it. Yeah. I, 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 I want a guaranteed spot for a group of five team. I'm fine with Tulane getting in there. One of these days, Tulane's going to win a 12-5 game or whoever's the 12 in that game. Right. And people are going to go crazy. Huge upset. So I'm okay with it. I'm fine. Look, it was absolute pulling teeth to get to this point. Just let, let's go with it and let's, let's see how it plays out. But I think having games on campus is going to be awesome. Uh, I think eventually the quarterfinals will be on campus as well because the top four teams are going to say, hey, we want home field advantage. We want that atmosphere. We want the marketing, and we want recruits on campus for those games. So I think it's going to head that way relatively quickly. On one other topic, and I'll let you go on this, it seems the basketball ratings were completely off. Like Carolina is losing – all the time. Gonzaga, I think, has lost a couple of times. And my God, what has happened at Louisville? That's your home. What's happened? Uh, they, the bottom has fallen completely out. They're 0-9. And, Tony, they may end up like 2-28. and they, Oh, my God. This is a team I'm that's serious. won titles with two different coaches. What? Do you, what? Yes. Yeah. No, I, I mean... It's astonishing. It's unbelievable. When they lost, they had an exhibition game against Lenore Ryan, D2 school, lost that by 10 points, and right then and there you're like, oh, boy, is this bad. And it's the, the dreaded combination. You got bad talent that was left over from last year. You didn't do enough to bring in new talent. You have bad effort. You have bad chemistry, and you have a very bad new coach. Kenny Payne does not know what he is doing. He is in way over his head. And it shows every single game they play. And, I mean, it's, it is awful. They're not just losing. They're getting destroyed 
by Power Five teams, and then they're losing to the non-Power Five teams. So it's, this it's, is as bad as could possibly get. This is this year's version of last year's Georgetown. Correct. Yes. So can't somebody go to? Now I understand why you want Kenny Payne. He's a grad. He's an alum. Can't somebody bring in a, a seasoned coach and have him sit next to him on the bench all the time and just be there for him to guide him into coaching? They did that with Danny Manning. Danny Manning is the top assistant coach. Oh, okay. You know, was the head coach at Wake Forest. That's right. Was the head right. coach at Tulsa. That's right. I, I, I've only, I haven't watched the games in a while because they're so bad. But the first few games, Danny Manning just sat there or stood there. He didn't do anything. I didn't see him doing well, anything in-game s- to help Kenny Payne. you got to help like, the Kenny guy Payne out. is just, yeah, he's just flailing there, and there's nobody on that staff stepping up to help. And, and North Carolina, what happened? They've lost three or four times already. Yeah, yeah. They, you know what? They look like the team that barely made the tournament last year. Do you remember right, they, they right. were wobbling? They were in trouble, and then they played Duke and Cameron in Kay's last game there and turned everything around. That's right. Uh, that looks more like the blip than the actual team. So, I, I mean, it's, it's wild. I, I am surprised. I, I thought they would be much better than they have been. Yeah. Thank you, Pat. We lean on you all the time. Pat Forty, boys and girls. You can see, read them in Sports Illustrated. Uh, email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. I love this. I love this. Jeremy Vint, love this. This is so much better than gummy worms. <laughs> it is. <laughs> like gummy worms, it's all liquid. Want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, got the bagel sandwiches today. Very excited about that. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. I thought Chris was going to be with us today. Yeah, I guess not. I don't know what happened to Chris. I guess that'll do it for us, but before he gets to the mailbag, let me say Blue Monday. How I hate Blue Monday. Gotta work like a slave all day. Here comes Tuesday. Hard Tuesday. I'm so tired. Got no time to play. Here come Wednesday. I'm beat to my socks. My gal calls. Gotta tell her I'm out. Because Thursday's a hard working day, and Friday I'll get my pay. Who did that? That Besides, was Antoine Fatstomach. Yeah, I mean, a, a million people have done Blue Monday. Yeah, that was the one I was channeling. Sitting at the piano, <laughs> playing that tune. Yes. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Pat Forty. Thanks as well to today's sponsors, MeUndies. Great read by Michael. 
ZipRecruiter, Simply Safe. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. We have, uh, from Shad, we have a haiku about my Aunt Bernice, headed for no good, weirdo wearing a dunce hat, eat it, Aunt Bernice. <laughs> Makes me happy. She the one with the dogs? No, she, they didn't have any dogs. Okay. Bernice and Stanley had no dogs. No. That was your grandmother? No, my grandmother. Nobody had Who dogs. Who had the dog that hit under the bed? Oh, that was my mother. Oh. That was George, the little, um, what the, are the tiny dogs? Chihuahuas. A little chihuahua? Yeah, and then when my mother died, um, my father had to take care of the dog. And my father would try to tell me it's not such a bad dog. I said, yes, it is. It hides under the bed, <laughs> and all you see is its bulging eyes. And if you look there, it, it tries to jump out and bite you in the face. <laughs> Awful dog, George. Rich Johnson in Las Vegas. The question not answered in the dunce cap story. Who the heck has a dunce cap lying around the house? <laughs> Valid question, From yes. Rocky Rakovic. In regards to the Thanksgiving plans of a sports journalist, I aim to be the person of the sports pen. Early on, I was in the press room during a Seton Hall basketball game and noticed that most guys in there looked schlubby and sullen. I turned to peerless star ledger sports writer Jerry Eisenberg and I said, what gives? And Jerry said, when are sports played? Me, huh? Jerry, kid, when are sports played? Me on nights and weekends. Jerry, and holidays. Most of these guys have tough family lives because of the schedule. It was then that I decided to shift towards a totally technology-proof content sector of lifestyle magazines. Jumped to last week. I just had my first kid. Uh, while a non-masculine child, she does come with godfather cred. She was born in Jersey City, overlooking the field where Coppola shot the leave the gun, take the cannoli scene. Hmm. The littlest little is named R-E-V-E Rakovic. The first name means dream in French and is pronounced Rev as in revelry. The Reverend Al Green and the Massachusetts town of Revere. <laughs> I was incredibly happy to spend Rev's first Thanksgiving with her until the night feedings. Then I wish I was at the Maui Invitation <laughs> or even covering a pickleball tournament in Duluth, Rocky and Rev in Jersey City, New Jersey. From Noah in Muzzle. Austin. Mazel tov to them, by the way. Stay yes. away from RSV. Uh, yes. Yeah. On Friday's show, you mentioned a friend having accidentally substituted salt for sugar in the brownies in a made, brownies made in a home economics class. You know, friend Brent. A schoolmate of mine was suspended from school. For the exact same offense some 15 years ago. Well, not the exact same offense. In this case, when the class period ended, this guy didn't throw away the inedible brownies as he was instructed to do by our teacher. Rather, he roamed the hallways offering a free brownie to the unsuspecting suckers <laughs> headed to their next class. Perhaps it was a suspendable offense after all. Label your containers, folks. All about sustainability. From Steve Aaron. <laughs> Listening to you retell the story of your encounter with the fabulous George Clooney at the Palm inspired me to write. My wife and I recently took a trip to northern Italy to celebrate our 25th anniversary. One night in Lake Como, we go out to dinner at this magical restaurant overlooking the lake on a moonlight, moonlit night. It's an old house built into the mountainside with each room converted into a separate dining area. A couple of hours and bottles of Italian wine into the spectacular meal, we realize there is just one other table still left, laughing and talking politics. As we get up to leave, I realize the guy doing most of the talking is none other than George Clooney. He and his wife, Amal, have a villa a short drive away. We later learned this is one of their favorite spots and that paparazzi had been hanging around outside. I grab my wife's hand and tell her there is no way we're walking out without saying hello. Since they had been talking politics, I figured I would introduce myself by letting him know that I have long worked for Tom Rich, former Pennsylvania governor and our first Homeland Security secretary. Immediately, George tells me that among his favorite Republicans are Bob Dole, John McCain, and Tom Ridge, and I knew we were in. 
He stood up from the table, wished us a happy anniversary, and we proceeded to chat for nearly 20 minutes on a variety of topics, ranging from politics to sports. He seemed relieved to learn I was an Eagles fan and not the Steelers, given his hatred of the black and gold. He is, after all, from Cincinnati and a huge Bengals fan. He couldn't have been more generous with his time, just an absolutely lovely guy with not an ounce of pretense in him. You'd never know he was a global icon. Speaking of global icons, get this. Two days later, on a flight home connecting from Heathrow to JFK, who emerges from first class as I'm standing by the door? Paul McCartney. (laughs) So in 48 hours across two continents, I'm face to face with Clooney and McCartney. Sadly, the airplane door opened after just a few seconds, but not before I was able to thank Paul for all he'd given us. He gave me a quick thanks and off he went. We'll have other vacations. Not sure we'll be able to top this one. P.S. Tony, we met briefly during a taping of PTR, our mutual friend, the great Brent Glass had arranged for me to be there. You were terrific, agreeing to record a video message for my son, Jake, who was 13 at the time. Jake is now a senior at Penn State studying professional golf management, where he's interned at iconic courses like Merrion and Fisher's Island. You may have heard of him. Thanks, Grandpa. Steve Aaron, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Isn't that nice? That's lovely. From Jeff in Salinas, California. During the Thanksgiving edition of The Pod, you mentioned a certain ghost from a certain play by the venerable Bill Shakespeare. I said to myself, I know that ghost. I killed him when he was alive during my third grade class rendition of the Scottish play Macbeth back in 1995. I was playing the role of the first murderer and was the lead man in charge of killing Banquo. Why I was chosen for this role can only be known to my third grade teacher, Mrs. Rodell. Feel free to call and ask her. I always assumed it was because I couldn't remember the lines of the more complex characters. From Brandon Borzelli in Lebanon, New Jersey, our old friend Brandon Borzelli. Just curious, but did the Bob Ryan from Channel 4 News also have trouble with the 8-9 game being considered an upset <laughs> in the NCAA tournament. Uh, from Mike Crichton. From an old Mike on a bike, Moab, to the newest Moab, I've been riding an e-bike for almost two years now, and I wanted to share some starting out tips for your benefit. First off, if you're going on, out on a nice sunny but crisp November day, dress as if it's 10 degrees cooler, Wear gloves and ear protection and hiking boots because your speed will be faster than you expected and you won't be working up a sweat. Riding an e-bike compares to a comfortable setting on your Peloton, um, but you're outside. If you experience any knee or ankle discomfort, raise the seat. Ideally, you should have a slight bend at your knee. I can't do it. My, my, my legs are so bad. I, can't. No, this I need is an operation. For my, for my Peloton this is positioning. For when the pedal <laughs> is at knee. the bottom. When leaving a stationary position, use the electric throttle while pedaling so getting to speed isn't so taxing and you don't get surprised when the motor kicks in. Also, cornering is a slightly different animal, so don't attack any corners until you're comfortable. We should save that for Michael. Give that to Michael. That's nice. Nothing about the outfits? Nothing about the outfits. From Larry Schlesinger. Those of us who not only listen to this August August podcast, not August, August podcast on reading, I see that, but also read reviews of operas, had a tremendous DA moment raised to the power of two this past week. The Washington Post reviewed the opera The Hours, which opened at the Metropolitan Opera in New York City right before Thanksgiving. It features three female singers, and that's why many people will want to see the show. But I was happiest to read the Post critics say Renee Fleming dominated the second act, especially in her devastating duet with the unraveling Richard. Perched on his windowsill, a star turned from bass baritone Kyle Kettleson whose powerful voice captured the character's flight, fight and fr- frailty. That's the same cow, Kyle, who contributed a couple of jingles to the pod, mm-hmm. including the great one about Reginald the Monkey a few years ago. And then I saw that the New York Times also reviewed the opera. Their critic didn't love the show, but he did say in Best of World, 
all. Kyle Kettleson sings the strong-willed, delusional Richard with haunting authority. That's a DA moment raised to the power of two. All Littles near New York City still have a couple of weeks to catch Kyle at the Metropolitan Opera. Three cheers for Kyle. Isn't that nice? We'll have, Larry to, play, we'll have to play that version uh, this week. We because, should do that. Yes. If you're out on your bike time, everyone, as always, do wear white. Bonanza is not an accurate depiction of the West. That's all I'm saying. Do you have watched that show? When you shoot for pars and birdies, sometimes you're on the fringe, sometimes you're in the water, your shots can make you cringe. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose That's the way it goes But either way you shouldn't ever Have to lose your nose A good watch spoiled, that's what they say golf is Some guy once quipped and he Sounds as if he might have played some golf in Mississippi. Your round is meant to make you forget about your woes. You're supposed to have a good time. You're not supposed to lose your nose. Next time you're on the when a shot is in dispute Don't move your ball when it's resting By an azalea root Give your pal his mulligan Don't step on his toes Smile and sign your scorecard Come home Yeah. 